Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Luke 24, verse 13, it says this, That same day, the day of his resurrection, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. And Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written all over their faces. And one of them named Cleopas replied, he said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened over the last few days. And Jesus said, what things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. And Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses, all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now this is where our focus is today. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. And so Jesus went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on the way back to Jerusalem. Father, would you add your anointing, uh, the illumination of your Holy Spirit, of our minds. Lord, would you open our hearts and our minds because spiritual things are only discerned from a spiritual mind. And I pray that you would help us to understand what you're saying today. But more importantly, I pray that you help us not just to hear it, but to do it. And I pray that you'd change our lives as a result. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. Thank you so much for your worship. Well, today is week three of uh, what is likely to be a four-part series called Walking with the Risen Savior. 
walking with a risen Savior. We've been looking uh, at the journey that Jesus went on on the very day of his resurrection with two men from the little town of Emmaus. You know, there, there's sometimes this post-Easter crash in the church uh, where people don't know quite what to do with themselves because of all the buildup to the celebration of the resurrection. We're like, well, what do we do now? Well, we discovered that we need to do what these guys did. We need to take a walk with the risen Savior. Now, when you walk with Jesus, you're going to discover a few things about him along the way. First, we discovered that sometimes Jesus is in disguise. That for one reason or the other, you won't be able to recognize him or see him. But we found hope in that. We found comfort in in the fact that we know, that we know, that we know that Jesus is there. Whether we see him or not, whether we feel him or not, whether we sense him or not, we know he's there because he said he'd be there. And he's not just with us, but he's in us through his Holy Spirit. Now, last week we talked about the, we found out that Jesus is an incredible friend, uh, a friend who's there for you, a, a friend who's going to be on the journey with you, a friend who listens to you, and a friend who in turn speaks to you. He tells you the truth, and he does it in love. Today we're going to talk about another aspect that we find in their journey. If you're going to walk with the risen Savior, you better set an extra plate because Jesus wants to come over to your house. All right, the message today is set an extra plate. Set an extra plate. Now, these guys were walking with Jesus. They were engrossed in the conversation, which at this point had become an anointed teaching as Jesus was telling them and showing them himself in the scriptures. They didn't want it to end, uh, but they were at the Emmaus exit off the interstate that they were on. So Jesus, who at that point had not been invited to their house, he acted like he was just going to go on. That's exactly what he would have done had they not invited him, come to themselves and invited him to their house. Traveling at night was dangerous. um, And the guys didn't want the conversation to stop anyway. And so they remembered their manners and they invited Jesus to their house. They set an extra plate for Jesus And then he sat down to eat. If you're walking with Jesus, make no mistake today, he will come home with you. Too many times we we, we think we have a church life and a regular life. But that's just not how Jesus works. Okay, He gets gets personal. Jesus is all in on the relationship, as in all in your business. Okay, there is no division between the sacred and the secular with him. He wants us, he wants to be just as present in your house as he is in his house, right? You you say, I'm not sure I'm really comfortable with that. Like, I kind of like doing my own thing and then coming to the church when I get a chance. It's just much neater, it's just much cleaner that way. Yeah, Jesus don't really do that. He don't do that. He, he doesn't even offer that as an option. He, he gets really, really personal. If you think back through the four Gospels, Jesus ate with people a lot. Like a whole lot of the ministry that Jesus did was around the table. That's why I love Jesus so much. Um, he ate with people a lot. He went home with people a lot. As a matter of fact, one of the things that he was most criticized about 
was Jesus eating with sinners. Jesus over at the sinner's house. Jesus must be a glutton because he's eating all the time instead of fasting all the time. Was Jesus just hungry? What, did Jesus have low blood sugar? No. He, Jesus knew intimacy happens around the table. Intimacy happens in the home. If you really want to get to know somebody, you go eat with them. Maybe for the first and last time, but you, you go eat with somebody. That's where you really get to know. You spend time with them in their home. If you become a follower of Jesus, go ahead and set an extra plate because he's coming home with you for dinner. Now, there's a really familiar passage of Scripture that demonstrates this, this whole meal-sharing thing with Jesus, um, but it's used incorrectly most of the time. And I want to show you Revelation uh, chapter 3 and verse 20. Jesus said, it's, in, it's written in red in your, in your Bible, Jesus said, look, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Now, most of the time, pastors will share that as an invitation for salvation. That Jesus is knocking on the door of the sinner's heart waiting to come in. But that's not what the verse means. Not in context. When you look at the context, he's, he is uh, talking to the believers in a city called Laodicea. It's a, it's a letter that Jesus dictated to the Apostle John who sent it to all the pastor, to the pastor of Laodicea. And, and I want to walk you through this brief little letter because I, I think you'll see how relevant it is to us today and how it connects with this walk to Emmaus. Okay, so Revelation chapter 3, let's back up a few verses. Jesus said, write this letter to the angel, that's the pastor of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. So that's Jesus. He said, I know all the things you do, that you're not hot, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus tells him right off the, right off the bat, I know all the things you do. Is that not one of the more terrifying verses in the Bible? Right. How does he know? Because he sees you all the time. Even if there were a version of Christianity where you get to leave Jesus at the church Jesus don't stay at the church. He's not staying there. He's everywhere. He sees everything. We are only fooling ourselves when we think that just because the people at the church don't know how we really live, that Jesus don't know how we really live. Listen, he knows the real you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your mind. He knows if you're passionate about him and his kingdom. He knows if your mind and your heart are turned towards the world and the things of the world. He knows when your heart is hot and burning with a desire for him. And he knows when people think nothing about the things of eternity and truth. But the most dangerous thing is he knows when you're lukewarm. See, hot water soothes and cleanses. Cold water refreshes. Lukewarm water 
is nasty. Isn't it? It's nasty. It's useless. Nobody says, well, what I really need right now is a big old glass of lukewarm water. Nobody heads to the tub after a hard day and says, oh, I hope the water is just lukewarm. Jesus said, I want people with hearts on fire. And I know how to pursue hearts that are ice cold. But I don't want anything to do with a lukewarm heart. It makes me sick. God says, I'm just going to spit it out. You say, John, what, what does that even mean when God spits you out? He doesn't spell that out in this verse, does he? But I promise you one thing. There is nothing good about being spewed out of the mouth of the Almighty God. He has no tolerance for people in a lukewarm condition. So we better check ourselves and figure out, if we say we are followers of Jesus, we better check ourselves and make sure we don't fall into that category. So what causes a heart to get lukewarm? Well, he tells us in verses 17 and 18. You say, so now Jesus is telling them, he said, I know everything. Now he's just reading the mail. He's just telling them exactly what they've been thinking. He said, you say, I'm rich. I've got everything I want. I don't need anything. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that's been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also, buy white garments from me so you'll not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Wow. If that doesn't sound like the American church, I don't know what does. Lukewarmness comes from being self-satisfied and indifferent to the things of God. We've got everything we need. Right? Is it, are you not comfortable? We got padded chairs. We got carpet. We got, we got, everything is great. We got everything we need. We got more than we need. Right? And if we don't have everything we think we need, we're going to get it. We're going to get it ourselves. Jesus has become an accessory to our nearly perfect lives. We put him on like a dress, like a necklace on Sundays, and then we take him right back off when we're done because we don't need him for our everyday lives. We We don't hate the things of God. We just don't love them as much as we love ourselves and our hobbies, and our opinions, and our goals, and our own personal dreams. We aren't opposed to God. We just don't care. Right? We just just don't care either way. We think we're living the dream. We think we're seeing things clearly. We think we're prepared for what life throws at us. And Jesus says, you're naked and blind and poor and wretched and miserable. On the outside, Jesus says, it looks like you've got everything, but in the ways that matter most, you've got nothing. 
There's absolutely nothing wrong with having a place to live, having clothes to wear, having a car to drive, nothing wrong with having a job, even having a hobby, having expendable income, nothing wrong with any of that. But look deeper than that. How are things with your soul? How are things in your relationship with Jesus? Would you characterize it as hot or cold? Those are the only two options that Jesus is interested in, quite honestly. My fear is that too many of us are in what Doug Small calls the messy middle. That dangerous in-between stage when we are neither hot nor cold. All our stuff, all our comfort, all our safety has lulled us to sleep and convinced us that we are the masters of our own fate. We are the captains of our own soul. And Jesus called him out on it. Jesus said, uh, remember Jesus is the friend who loves us enough to tell us the truth, right? He told him, you're lying to yourselves. You think you've got everything when you've actually got nothing because you're, the only thing you're holding on to is in this world. The things of eternity, the things that matter, Jesus said, you don't have any of those. And then he gave them the solution. He always does. He said, you need to get your righteousness from me. You need to get your eyes open by me. You need to get true riches from me. It only comes from me, Jesus said. Wake up, he said. Wake up out of your sleep. Wake up out of your indifference. Wake up out of your lukewarmness. He said, you're completely unprepared for eternity, for the kingdom work that I've called you to. Wake up and get back in right relationship with me. That's what Jesus said, all the way up to verse 19. And then to illustrate what he was talking about, he said in verse 20, which we already read, I'm at the door of your life, and I'm knocking. Won't you let me in? Won't you open the door to me? Won't you give me access to your life? Listen, Jesus is at the door of your life Today, if you're his follower, Jesus is at the door of your life. And he's knocking. He's knocking. What does he want you to do? He wants, he wants, to, he wants you to open the door so he can come in and eat with you. That's what he said. Open the door so I can come in and we can have a meal together. Just like he did with the people of Laodicea, just like he did with the two guys from Emmaus. He wants to sit down at your table and eat with you. Why? Because that's what friends do. That's what friends do. Listen, I'm, I'm no expert on home design. Come to think of it, I'm not sure I'm an expert on anything but certainly not home design. But if you look at the house plans, the trends of house plans over the last 15 or 20 years, you'll, or, or even longer, you'll notice that kitchens have continued to get larger. Right? I'm the baby of five kids, and you should have seen the kitchen 
in the house that I grew up in. I think it's what you call a galley kitchen. Um, it, you, you just it basically it was room for my mama and all the pots and pans, and that was pretty much it. So this, this whole deal that we got now, that didn't exist back then. But people have come to realize that the kitchen is the heart of the home, right? Now, just because it was small don't mean we didn't all try to get in there with Mama at one time or the other. I remember a few pictures when we're like, we may have the Guinness Book of World Records for how many people you can get in that small of a kitchen. But, but we realized that the, the kitchen is the heart of the home. Let me show you. When somebody knocks on the door that you don't know, what do you, what do, you do? You stand on the porch, <laughs> pull the door behind you, or you, if you have like a little foyer area, you might invite them as far as the foyer, but that's as far as he's going, right? Then if you have somebody come over to help you with insurance or some business, what do y'all do? You sit in the living room over the coffee table and you talk. But what happens when friends and family come over? You go to the kitchen. You go to the kitchen. You, you, nothing is hidden in the kitchen, right? You, friends sit around the counter. If you've got a counter or a bar area or whatever, friends sit around the counter while you cook. You, you sit there for hours at the table after dinner's done, just running your mouth, right? Sometimes about absolutely nothing. Sometimes about the deepest and most important parts of your life. You, you laugh hysterically over stupid stuff. You, you cry. You are your truest self at your table. It's a personal place. It's a place where you really get to know somebody. That's where Jesus wants to be. In Emmaus, in Laodicea, in Bremen, in wherever your house is. That's where he wants to be. Don't keep Jesus on the porch. Is that not the most country thing you have ever heard? In you? <laughs> Corey, if you got a banjo, could you just pick the banjo while I preach? Don't keep Jesus on the porch. Don't keep him in the foyer. Don't keep him at the door. Don't keep him at arm's length let him in. Let him in the house and in your kitchen and in your life. The cure for lukewarmness is setting an extra plate at your table for Jesus. And listen, he doesn't want to be the friend that you invite for the special occasions. When everybody's got to be dressed and you got all the junk in your house stuffed in the closets because you know you don't never clean it. You just like hide it somewhere, right? He, don't, he doesn't want to be that friend. He wants to be the one who comes over when you don't feel like cleaning the house or fixing your hair, if you have hair, or, or putting on your makeup. He wants to be the one who just drops in because he's concerned about you. He's the one who just checks up on you. He's not even looking for a free meal because y'all know you got that friend too. Just come to that. What y'all eating tonight? Nothing. We fasting tonight. <laughs> Go on home. Right? He's not, he's not that guy. What does the word say about Jesus? It says, He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, right in the middle of your mess. Jesus is called what? The living water and the bread of life. His spirit 
brings what? Fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. It's everything you need. All the spiritual food groups are covered when Jesus shows up. You've got to set an extra plate for Jesus because you ain't never had a friend like him. But I'll tell you this, don't you need one? Notice that it was during that meal that they recognized Jesus. Yes, it was reminiscent for us when we read that. It was reminiscent of the Lord's Supper, the way he took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it. Uh, But these guys weren't there for that. That was just Jesus and the 12. There was something else about it. And I think it's this. Once you've had an intimate relationship with Jesus, once you've had him at your table, you are never satisfied with anything less. The sight and the sense of Jesus at their table immediately made him recognizable. They knew it was him because it was familiar. Some of you have been on fire for Jesus before. And you've allowed yourself to cool off. But you're lukewarm. The fire may almost be out. The most miserable people that I've met in my life are people who were at one time on fire for Jesus, but who are no longer that. Today is the day that you can start to heat the fire back up in your life. Today is the day that you can turn around and go back in the right direction. Today is the day that you can get your purpose back. Today is the day you can get your focus back. Today is the day that you can get your passion back for the things of God. If you've ever been more on fire for God than you are right now, then you are drifting towards lukewarmness. You may not be there right now, but it's, but, but it's way easier to correct your course now than it will be in a year or two years from now. So stop drifting. You've been looking in other places to find your satisfaction, but there's nothing that's going to satisfy you like a deep and intimate and personal relationship with Jesus. The old Andre Crouch song says, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Once you've experienced that kind of relationship with him, you know that's true. Nothing else is going to do. But remember, it was God who had hidden them, uh, hidden Jesus from their eyes on the road to Emmaus. And so it had to have been God who opened their eyes in that moment. What a cool thing to have Jesus revealed to them in this way. Jesus was revealed to them at the table. I'm going to say that again because that, this is, that's the whole message in a nutshell. Jesus was revealed to them at the table. You're never going to know Jesus just from sitting in church. You're never going to know him by, just by reading about him. You have to let him in. 
You have to let him into every part of your life. You have to get him off the porch. You have to get him out of the living room. You have to let him sit at your table. If you're a follower of Jesus, just go ahead and set an extra plate. He's staying for dinner if you'll open the door to him. So, John, I'm not sure I even know what this means. What does it mean to set him an extra plate? What happens when Jesus comes over for dinner? Because it just sounds a little scary to have Jesus over for dinner. Well, let me just show you a couple times that Jesus was, was at dinner with people and show you what happened to them. Okay, Luke 19, uh, the, the first 10 verses says, Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town, and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. And he was the chief tax collector in the region, which made him very unpopular, uh, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Uh, his, his, history says he was probably less than five feet tall. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. So when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name and said, hey, come down from there because I got to be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. Listen, y'all, the people are always displeased. These are the same people on Twitter and Facebook today. They're always displeased. Um, that's a side note. That's free. Congratulations. He, he has gone to be a guest at the, of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord, and he said, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and, it, and if I cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back for." He said, if I cheated somebody on their taxes, then uh, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. Because this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Don't you know that Twitter just lit up when Jesus said that? Right? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Before he went home to eat with Zacchaeus, Jesus was just a source of curiosity or fascination for Zacchaeus. But once he set a plate for Jesus at his table, Jesus was the cause for a life change, for a course reversal. He confessed his sin. He made things right with people that he had, had messed over in his life. He focused his life on serving Jesus you may have been a completely different person before you met Jesus. How do you change a lifestyle of sin for a lifestyle of serving the Lord and being red hot for him? How, do you, how does that even happen? You get Jesus at your table. You get him at your table. I hear people talking about, I need to change my life. I need to turn over a new leaf. Listen, following Jesus isn't about a new leaf. It's about a new life. It's a new life. He, he said old things pass away. All things become new. You learn that new life by setting an extra plate for Jesus. You talk to him about everything. You do what Zacchaeus did. You confess everything. 
He's not surprised by it. He already knows. He's not there to condemn you. He's there to help you and to give you the power to overcome it. One meal with Jesus and Zacchaeus saw all of that stuff fall away off his life. Imagine what a lifestyle of following Jesus and walking in step with his spirit will do for you if one meal did that for him. So here's the second thing. In John chapter, in John 21, uh, Jesus appears to the disciples again before his, right before his ascension into heaven. And this time it was on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Peter and John and some other guys went fishing. When, and when they looked out and they saw this guy on the shore fixing uh, over a fire, it looked like he was probably fixing breakfast. And then they got this supernaturally huge catch of fish. I think it was 153 large fish. What John wrote uh, the, the Gospel of John. He's a fisherman, so he got to tell you exactly how many fish he got and how big they were. 153 large fish, and they were like, that guy on the shore has got to be Jesus because we ain't this good at fishing. Right, so they run. They run there. When they get to shore, they they see that it's Jesus, and, and this is what Jesus says. John twenty one verse twelve. He said, "Come have, come and dine," is what the King James says. Come and have some breakfast. Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, "Who are you?" Because they knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And it was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had raised, been raised from the dead. And after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my lambs. And, and that sounds familiar. You, prob- you know that Jesus then asked him two more times. What happened was that Jesus was confirming the calling of Peter. He was healing the, his heart the, from the pain of the denial when, G, when Peter had denied that he even knew him. He was publicly recognizing Peter as one of his own and putting Peter's relationship with Jesus back in the center of Peter's life. See, some of you have been on fire for God, but maybe through the circumstances of your life or maybe through your own denial of him, you've become lukewarm or even far away from Jesus. What would happen if you invited him back to your table? What would happen if you sat down with Jesus and just laid it all out there for him? See, I believe that there are people in this room today or watching online today who've had the call of God on your life when you drifted away. The Romans tells us the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You can see your life restored. You can see your calling restored. You can see your relationship with Jesus healed. You can have your pain healed. You can have your purpose refocused. But you have to sit down with Jesus at the table as your friend. Here's one last scripture. We're going back to Revelation chapter 3. Verse 20, I'm going to read verse 20 again, and then I want you to read 21 because they're written together. Jesus said, look, I'm standing at the door, and I'm knocking. If you hear my voice, open the door. I'll come in. We'll share a meal together as friends. And then here's the next verse, and it's not unrelated. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my Father on his throne. Listen, 
What happens when you open the door and set an extra plate for Jesus? Victory is what happens. Overcoming victory over all the problems of lukewarmness is found at the table with Jesus. You remember all the things that he said was plaguing the Laodiceans and all of the solutions that he offered? So what happens when you get to the table with Jesus? Then indifference leaves and passion returns. Eyes are open. Vision is clarified. Christ's righteousness is given. True riches are the focus. Friendship with him is, is, uh, is, is restored. That correction is received. Friendship is, de- is deepened. Christ's love is demonstrated to you and demonstrated through you. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to walk with the risen Savior, then you've got to open the door to your life and set an extra plate for Jesus. I want to point out one thing, and we're going to close. I want you to notice that he's standing and knocking. Notice that he didn't go to the house in Emmaus until they invited him in. Let me ask you this. Have you invited Jesus into your home? It's one thing to come and experience him in in a church service. It is an entirely different thing to experience him at your home. Jordan said it over and over again. Praise team saying it over and over again. He's the same God. Is he not the same God at your house that he is in this church? Is he not? Have you invited him into your home? Is the Holy Spirit welcome in your house? Is he welcome at your table? Have you told him that he's welcome in every area of his life, of your life? Every place you go, everything you do? See, he's a gentleman. He has the power to kick in the door and make himself at home if he wants to. But he's standing and he's knocking. And he's waiting. And he's longing to be invited to the table of friendship at your house. At your house. So the question is, will you invite him in today? Y'all stand with me, please. There are a lot of people who are going through a lot of things in this room today and wherever they are watching online. I get that. But today, there's nothing more important than for you to determine. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you need to determine today, am I passionate for Him? Am I hot after the things of God? Or am I lukewarm? You need to know that today. And if you'll ask the Holy Spirit, He'll show you. He'll show you. The other thing that you need to do is to make sure that you are indeed a follower of Jesus. And if you aren't, then you can become that today. And we'd love to walk you through that. We'd love to share with you how you become a follower of Jesus. But please understand, this is not just about going to heaven to see Granny. This is not just about uh, get out of hell free card. This is a commitment to following Jesus 
for the rest of your life. If you've got anything else that you want to pray, I'm going to pray. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you those two things. But if you've got anything else in your life that you need to pray about, then you can come and we'll pray around this altar. But please don't be in such a hurry. It's not even 12 o'clock yet. It's been a very short service, comparatively speaking. Don't be in such a hurry that you miss what the Savior is saying to you today. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your spirit who has settled in over this place right now. And Lord, who is walking from person to person and who is revealing truth and who's convicting and convincing people of the truth about themselves. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear. I pray as the psalmist did, search us, O Lord. Try us and know our ways. Show us if there's anything in us that's offensive to you and lead us to that path of righteousness that only goes through you. Lord, I pray that you would call those to this altar that you, that, that, uh, you want to come. And I know that when you call us that you'll meet us here. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.